host has spent decades studying the Bible in the original languages. He holds degrees from the University of Wisconsin, Moody Bible Institute, Asbury Theological Seminary, and Bethel Theological Seminary. With the help of some of his friends, in 1994, Dr. Rako founded a national volunteer ministry to hunters. He is an author, dog trainer, and speaker. Tom served as a full-time pastor for 36 years. Now here is your host, Dr. Tom Rako. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rock Dove Publications Quill. During today's program, you'll be hearing about the life of a raccoon hunter. We'll also be talking about who owns the land, who actually owns the land. And uh, we'll see what the Bible has to say. My dad was a passionate coon hunter, and I went with him on many, many, many hunts, learned a lot of things from him. I loved him, and uh, he went to be with the Lord quite a number of years ago. We had written a book called Raccoon Hunting Basics, and then I expanded that and a book titled Raccoon Hunting Basics and Beyond, in which we ask questions, training questions about how to get your dog to tree and tracking and, and things like that. And part of that book includes my dad's uh, life as a raccoon hunter. And I want to share that with you. Bob Rako was born into a family where both parents were totally deaf. Perhaps this is part of the reason he literally loved hearing his hounds on the trail and at the tree. The youngest of six children, Bob was born in 1926 in Clyde, Wisconsin. During the difficult days of the Great Depression, his mother told him that they could no longer afford to feed him and that he should go and ask the neighbors if he could live with them. It was a cold winter night when eight-year-old Bob, with a little sack of clothes, knocked on the neighbor's door. The Browns became his second family, and Bob worked for his keep. He paid for his clothing and other personal needs by trapping skunks and hunting raccoon. Following his service in the Navy during World War II, he married his wife Marie, who was understanding of his passion to hunt raccoon into the wee hours of the morning. Bob dairy farmed during the day and in the fall and even early winter, managed to coon hunt about every night. His entire 50 years of raccoon hunting took place among the hardwood-covered hills and corn-stripped valleys of south-central Wisconsin. Over the years, Bob hunted raccoon with a vast variety of dogs. In fact, as a young man, his first coon hound was a Springer Spaniel named Rusty. Rusty put up ringneck pheasants during the day and treed raccoon at night. Before he settled on blue ticks, his dogs included crosses and even a rat terrier and German shepherd who worked as a team. In the early 1960s, Bob and farming neighbor Larry Weitzel went in together and purchased a female red tick from Arkansas. Kate was a good coon dog, but was later stolen off the chain. However, Bob eventually purchased a young blue tick female that became the basis for years of future hunting stock. Queenie was trained from scratch and was taught to run only raccoon. Indeed, all Bob's blue ticks were trained to be straight, 
When they opened their mouth, you could be certain that they were running raccoon and nothing else. Although he never ran a dog in a night hunt or a field trial, he was well known for having truly excellent dogs. His favorite dog of all time was a blue-tick male named Andy. Andy was a silent trailer who kept quiet on the trail but barked with a great voice on the tree. He caught a lot of coon on the ground. However, Andy had a bad habit of climbing trees. One night, shortly after he reached his prime, he treed a coon on a steep side hill. Andy had climbed a leaning hollow tree and chased the coon right past the hole. He was literally treeing in the treetop. Bob tried to coax him down, but in the process of turning around, Andy fell about 35 feet. His front leg was broken, and eventually it had to be amputated at the shoulder. Nevertheless, in time, Andy was again able to hunt. However, due to his decreased speed, he changed to an open trailer and began barking on the trail. He somehow learned that in order to put a coon up, he needed to depend on his powerful voice rather than his speed. There were other dogs as well, but Bob's last dog was a well-bred blue tick named George. George started running and treeing his own coon at six months. Due to health problems, Bob and his wife Marie eventually found it necessary to move from Wisconsin to Arizona. Bob had been a cigarette smoker for decades, and the smoking had taken its toll. Their Arizona climate caused his health to improve significantly, but his raccoon hunting days were now over. In 1997, Bob and son Tom began answering questions regarding raccoon hunting on the Rock Dove Publications website, rockdove.com. They soon began receiving requests for a book from their website readers. So, in 1998, they co-wrote a concise little booklet titled Raccoon Hunting Basics, which was designed to help the new hunter get started in the sport. Raccoon Hunting Basics gave some basic information on getting your dog to tree, conducting a simulated hunt, and tips for keeping your dog on the right track. Since then, the much more comprehensive uh, work, Raccoon Hunting Basics and Beyond, has been written. In 1998, Bob was diagnosed with lung cancer. This time of illness resulted in his making a deeper commitment to Jesus Christ, and he experienced great peace. Just days before his going to heaven, he was still missing his hounds in the hunt. It was especially noticeable that whenever he began talking about Andy, he would start to cry. He left this world on August 22, 1998, in Mesa, Arizona, and is survived by his wife Marie, sons Tom and Kelly, and daughter Deb, and eight granddaughters. Bob's vast knowledge of how to train a dog to hunt raccoon continues to help both new and experienced raccoon hunters alike through the materials that were written. This true story of houndsman Bob Rako is included in the book Raccoon Hunting Basics and Beyond. In Raccoon Hunting Basics and Beyond, readers learn how to conduct a simulated hunt, find tips for getting your dog to tree, discover ways to start your dog on the right track, acquire knowledge to monitor your dog's movements, see how to remove a raccoon's hide, learn what is meant by terms like tapping tree or silent trailer, and, and much more. This book, written by the late Bob Rako and son Dr. Tom Rako, answers often asked questions regarding how to successfully train your dog to hunt raccoon. 
Also included in the back of the book is the story of Andy, the three-legged blue tick hound, and another raccoon hunting adventure. To order your copy of Raccoon Hunting Basics and Beyond, visit the Rock Dove Publications website, rockdove.com. Be sure and visit rockdove.com today. Who owns land? You know, sadly, many people who have never spent much time in the scriptures have tried to blame Christianity or the teachings of the Bible for certain environmental problems. They do this even though an honest glance at other countries in which the predominant religious culture could accurately be classified as atheistic, Buddhistic, Hinduistic, or Islamic have lands which have been ravaged. Even the late, well-known, and greatly revered conservationist Aldo Leopold got it wrong in this regard. In 1948, Saint Leopold, I say saint in that some admire him so highly, and he certainly had many great things to say, but in a San County Almanac, here's what he wrote, quote, Conservation is getting nowhere because it is incompatible with our Abrahamic concept of land. We abuse land because we regard it as a commodity belonging to us, unquote. He was certainly right in that land has often been viewed as a commodity that could be misused or abused. Nevertheless, Leopold was wrong if he really thought the roots of such destructive thinking could be traced back to the Bible. On the contrary, when the Lord gave the land to the Hebrews, as he had promised the patriarch Abraham centuries before, it was always with the view that it actually belonged to God. While it is certainly true that specific portions of the promised land were to remain in each designated Israelite family and clan, this is always with the understanding that God retained ultimate ownership. He stated in Leviticus 25:23, The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are but aliens in my tenants. Again, we further learn that it is not just some large lot in the ancient Near East that the Lord of the universe possesses. The fact is the Lord owns everything. He told Moses on Mount Sinai, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. Exodus 19.5 In addition, not just the land, but everything on it, including all wildlife, belongs to God. In Psalm 50, the Lord made it known to his people that he did not need their cattle for a sacrifice. He said, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. Verse 9. He then went on to explain, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it, Psalm 50, verses 11 to 12. According to the Bible, no nation, ethnic group, state, county, township, conservation group, radical environmental group, DNR bureaucratic branch, or individual can really lay a lasting claim to a piece of property and the wildlife that resides thereon. After all, Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The Bible teaches that we are all temporary stewards and managers who will one day have to give an account to the eternal landlord. When we come back, I'll have some closing remarks. In 
in hunting arguments. Biblical responses to a loaded issue, Dr. Tom Rako takes direct aim at some popular but faulty arguments wielded by hunters and animal rights activists alike. This unique work introduces readers to 10 major arguments which are frequently invoked by their users to either condemn or defend hunting. Hunting arguments include such emotional appeals and false premises as Thou shalt not kill. I eat everything I kill. I could never kill an animal. Hunting is my right as an American. Jesus was a vegetarian. And would Jesus shoot Bambi? Each chapter concludes with a set of discussion questions, making it a great resource for group studies. This book will help you to become an expert in knowing what the Bible has to say about hunting. To order your copy of Hunting Arguments, go to the Rock Dove Publications website, rockdove.com. Visit rockdove.com today. Well, according to the Bible, Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You know, everything ultimately belongs to God. Uh, everything that we build, we build it from things that we've been given that are on this planet. Every great medication is ultimately uh, traced back to elements within the creation. And God gives individuals wisdom and insight, and uh, we can use these things to help and heal and encourage others. And, you know, part of being a neighbor is thinking about the next generation. You know, uh, we don't want to worship nature, but we have a responsibility to take care of it, to be good stewards of it. And uh, the Bible is right on, even though sometimes uh, the scriptures have been used to justify abuses, but we want to return to the Bible. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we hope that you'll join us again on the Rock Dove Publications Quill. been listening to the Rock Dove Publications podcast with your host, Dr. Tom Rinko. This program has also been brought to you by the Quilted Arrow, home of intelligent, stylish, field-bred English pointers with bloodline streams from Hall of Fame champion Guardrail. Thank you so much for listening. Now this is Beth Rinko inviting you to join us again next time on the Rock Dove Publications podcast. <music>